when do I sell my stocks? That's been a pretty popular question on our Telegram group. And yeah, today I'm here to address this question because I think we all can agree that there's a lot of coverage about when to buy, how to buy, how to find undervalued stock, you know, how to study the fundamentals, how to see what's the company doing and then ultimately make your bet. I think these days people are getting pretty good at buying stocks, right? So then the question is, are you keep buying land and when do you sell it? <laughs> So that's not really talked about and I think everybody have their own ways, much like buying. So everybody has their own mattresses as to when to sell. So today I'm going to do some coverage about when I sell my stocks. Welcome back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So good morning, everyone. I welcome you to another day with Financial Coconut. In our podcast, we'll be debunking financial myths, discovering best financial practices, and discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life. You get it. Ultimately, empowering us to create a life we love while managing our finances well. And today, we're back on my pet topic, stock picking. I'm not saying I'm a pro, but you get it. I've been doing this for a long time and quite an enthusiast. So if you have not joined our community telegram subgroup, TFC Stock Geek Out, definitely join it. It's going to be fun. Learn a lot of stuff. And specifically for today, we're going to talk about when do I sell my stocks. Of course, this is not a recommendation. not trying to tell you this is like a mantra you have to follow. No, I'm just going to share with you my perspectives. How do I do it? And you can ultimately make your own decision. But before that, I just want you to know that the year is coming to an end and I appreciate that you've been with us for this one whole year and more. Right, so TFC has grown a lot, really nice and I think a lot of us are volunteers here so we are all trying to make this work. I'm sure you guys are trying to help us make things work too. So definitely, you know, like, share, subscribe, show your friends to listen to this thing. I hope it benefits more people. And yes, back to my favourite topic, my pet topic of stock picking. I've been doing this for a while and even the post producers say, hey, you know when you do stock picking content, it's very easy to edit because there's no R-E or la-la. <laughs> because it's just something that I've been doing for a while and I do like it. I think a lot of these things that I'm share with you over time has been internalized by me already. So it's not something that I have to create, you know, or have to do a lot of research because I've been doing a lot of these things. And I know you guys have this question, right? It's like, when do I sell my stocks? When do I sell my stocks? When do I sell my stocks? Right? That's always uh, a very big problem. And I'm going to start out by... Uh, establishing some fundamental principles and kind of debunking some of these other strategies that people do, right? Which I don't use them and I give you my reason why. But before that, okay, let me just establish what kind of investor I am, right? So I'm a long-term growth investor. Essentially, I look for long-term companies that I can hold for a very, very long time and for them to compound and grow and for the stock price to reflect, you know, as it goes along and I make my capital gains over time. So I have a very long horizon ahead, like 10 years, 20 years, right? That is kind of how I see investing. Right. So with that backdrop, I'm going to share with you some thoughts. Right. One of the main thoughts is this whole idea of value investing. 
there is this perspective that you can find uh, intrinsic value and then there's an undervalue and then there's an overvalue you know, kind of margins, right? So every time when it's below its intrinsic value, then that is undervalued and you should buy it. Every time it's above its intrinsic value and you should sell it, right? And to me, I question that understanding. Not saying that it is wrong. I'm sure there are a lot of people that practice this way of investing and that is them, but I don't use it because, let me share with you my perspective. Number one is because it is very difficult to determine intrinsic value, okay? Uh, a lot of people use the DCF model, discounted cash flow. Um, I'm not here to going to explain more. If you are already in this, you understand. If not, you can Google what is DCF. This is a lot to explain. And in DCF, there are certain assumptions, right? Terminal growth rate and growth rate, right? So growth rate is something that... Is it's very interesting. Under normal situations, right, you realize that there is no consistent growth rates. Growth rates are ever-changing. So people are taking medians, right? People are taking um, averages when it comes to growth rates because um, certain companies can be doing something for a really long time, like maybe they've been doing health food for a really long time and then suddenly there's like a huge health trend and then whatever they're selling, boom, 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 just flies. You know, or they have been doing like this whole e-commerce software kind of thing and then during COVID, suddenly all their numbers fly, right? And you don't know what is going to happen to the growth rate after this situation. Do Will the growth rate continue or what is going to happen? And big companies also tend to do a lot of mergers. Like they will buy other, other companies that either are competition or other verticals and see how they can continue to generate growth rate. So all those things right, will fundamentally affect the accuracy of growth rate as a factor in discounted cash flow. And so to translate to human language, huh, it just means that it is very difficult to determine how fast the company will grow and how consistent will they keep growing or will they one day just stop growing? And so from that perspective, as a long-term growth investor, I'm not extremely reliant on this idea of calculating an intrinsic value. Right? And also, one thing I want you to know is that I tend not to buy below quote-unquote intrinsic value. I do use a calculator and then I tend not to buy below it. A lot of people will be like, oh, you need to have 20% margin of safety, you must buy below it. Right, but I don't because my perspective is um, good companies tend not to be cheaper, right? Good companies tend to have a premium and that's the inevitability. La, and uh, it tends to be the case. It's very tough, very, very tough to find companies, especially in this market that are like below uh, quote-unquote intrinsic value. So because I don't believe in this idea of intrinsic value, like below value, then I also re don't really sell quote-unquote above value, right? Because to me, this whole thing is just... Um, a bit questionable. Uh, I don't really use them. Right? And so that's my, that's my perspective. And also another thing you should know is that I think a lot of people don't understand that big companies can go bigger and high stock prices can continue to go higher. A lot of people feel like what goes up must come down, what goes up must come down. It sounds very logical, but in the stock market, right, it is, um, it may not always be the case. Like, what go down can continue to go down, what go up can continue to go up. So as a long-term investor, I want to hold it for the long. I want to see companies that can keep growing and keep growing and keep growing. And eventually, their share price will reflect. So with all these basic understanding of like how I don't exactly believe in the idea of DCF intrinsic value, you know, how I understand the stock market as, you know, good companies can keep growing and the stock price can keep going up, you know, and I'm a long-term growth investor. Now I'm going to share with you when do I actually sell my stocks. Okay, so the very, very first situation, you know, where I will sell my stocks is that when I have a better place to go, I will sell it. Okay, so so 
why do I say so? Let's give me, let me give you a better understanding. So I see things from a capital deployment kind of way, you know, which actually is what a lot of uh, long-term investors, especially a lot of fund managers, that's what they do. They deploy capital. They have, let's say, a million dollars and then they'll be like, okay, so what do I want to buy? This, 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 and what's my thesis? And then I'll buy them and I'll wait and see how things goes, right? So that's kind of how it is. But... When it comes to the retail investors, right? That means people like you and I, a lot of people, right? They have 50,000, they have 100,000. And when they invest in the stock market, right? They are more concerned about making the most profit, right? So that means like if the, the stock they buy, like uh, UOB, like, I don't know, they buy DBS or whatever, okay, a few dollars, they buy it. And then suddenly, you know, go up by 5%. say, hey, must sell already, sell already, I make money, really, later the stock come down, right? So that is, um, it is... If they are like traders, or I think they're gamblers. But if they say they're traders, then so be it. But if you call yourself a long-term investor, then why are you selling because prices are going up? Then what is what is your understanding of long-term growth investing or even long-term value investing, right? So if you understand the idea of long-term, then your thesis should, to me, for selling should not be because prices are going up, right? And, and because that is the expectation. Right? Fundamentally, prices should go up if you are buying good companies. So instead of thinking of making the most, which is the kind of... A lot of people have this idea. I see it from buying the best that I can understand, which is the capital deployment way of looking at things. And I hope that you can see it this way, huh? which is to look at things. You know, you have this 50,000, you have this 100,000 capital. You want to buy the best of what you can understand, right? So this is how I invest and this is how I see it Okay, on top of all the, you know, like all the studying the financial, studying management, all the fundamental analysis, all those I've done it. After I do all those, then how I deploy my capital is this way of seeing things which is buying the best that I can understand. So when I sell it, it must also mean that I have something else better to go to. How I do it is usually my portfolio has a max of 20 companies at any one time. Any more, uh, I'll be a bit low on already. Huh? Too many things to follow. Think about it, right? If 20 companies, every quarter they release, you know, their investor report. Every annually, they will release, release their financials. Dude, the amount of work just to go into looking at all these things are nuts, right? And I'm not full-time. So, I'm not going to go crazy and buy 40, 50, 60 companies, right? So, I buy 20 companies that I believe in, right? And when I look at it from that angle, how I sell it is a bit like a Royal Rumble, Right, yeah, I'm sure all WWE fans are Royal Rumble. Essentially, if I want a company to come into my portfolio, if someone tell me about this company that I thought pretty interesting, let me go and study it and understand if it fits my investment palette. Then if I think that this company is potential, okay, I will take it into my consideration and look at all these companies that I already have, all these different stocks that I already have and ask myself which one I can sell. Right, so if I sell this to put into the new company that I want to go into, that is when I sell it because I have a better place to go. Not because, you know, hey, ma, uh, go up already, must make money, must take, take it out. Right? Because what goes up can go higher. Okay? If you are a long-term growth investor, you want to see long-term and not just because prices are going up. So that is number one situation when I sell. It must be, I have a better place to go and I must understand this place. Yeah? Not, be, not just because someone tell me it's good, uh, then I'll go already. Right? So people share ideas, they sh exchange thoughts and that is great. But you must have your own fundamentals as to why you buy this company. So and in any case, if I have a better place to buy, I will go. So that is when I will sell. Number one situation, okay? Number two reason when I sell my stocks is when the story of that company has changed, right? And I'll come back to you afterward from our sponsor. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Okay, so what do I mean by I only sell my companies when the story has changed? So every time I invest in a company, I need to believe in what they're trying to do, right? So I'm a long-term growth investor. I look at their fundamentals, right? So if, uh, let's say, okay, I, I own Facebook, right? I own Facebook on this idea that they will continue to grow their ecosystem. More and more people will be on Facebook and then they can continue to sell ads and, you know, keep incorporating this whole business effectiveness into their own their whole like ad ecosystem, right? So more and more businesses will be using advertisement on Facebook and more and more people will be using Facebook. So that is their growth story. Of course, um, they have like Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus, all those kind of additional stuff I know, okay? But simply put, that's the idea. More and more people partake in the Facebook ecosystem and more and more business want to advertise to this ecosystem. And recently, there have been a lot of backlash, you know, from Congress and from people in general that are very unhappy that Facebook is dominating the space. Of course, not just Facebook, Amazon, Google, Apple, all getting whacked, all the big tech, right? So if Facebook ends up getting some sort of anti antitrust lawsuit and have to break up, right? That means Instagram has to go solo, WhatsApp have to separate from Facebook, then the story has kind of changed, Right. So then in that case, I'll be questioning, hmm, should I still continue to own Facebook? But that is my analysis for myself. Next time I can share with you more. I have not finished analyzing the situation because it has not actually happened. Ma, right. So currently the story is still intact. But if Facebook is forced to sell off Instagram, is forced to separate all these different companies and break up their ecosystem, then hey, does Facebook still have that same original value? I don't know. But has the original story changed? It has changed. Because when I invested in it, this was the reason. But now it's a different scenario. So the story has changed and I may sell my Facebook shares if that happens. So another company that I own is JD.com, Jingdong. It's a Chinese company listed in the US or first also listed in Hong Kong. And yeah, fundamentally, they are just doing e-commerce. It's a bit like a Shopee, a bit like a Lazada, right? So they're doing e-commerce, but they're way bigger, of course. And the growth story is that, you know, they will continue to expand their user acquisition. They'll continue to refine their whole back-end logistics ecosystem so that more and more companies will want to use them when they are thinking of setting up online shops and also get a bigger re- and more and more audience, more transaction on their platform, right? So more transaction, more, you know, ecosystem partners, more merchants want to come on and then they can charge all these additional fees for logistics and whatnot for all these other merchants. Have you ever wondered why Taobao, JD and all these Lazada, Shopee, they don't really charge you much fees, you know, um, from the start. They don't charge you because they charge the merchants, right? The merchants pay for fulfillment costs. The merchants pay to use their logistics platform because if you think about it, Singapore is very small, a lot easier, right? But in China, state to state, you know, it's huge. Billions of people, like a billion point five, I think 1.5 billion people at this point in time. Come on, man. If you are a company and you're trying to sell something and you need to fulfill all these orders all around, how are you going to do that, right? So that's why JD gives you the solution. Of course, Alibaba also does that, right? So, when I see their growth story, as long as they continue to drive more and more, you know, 
gross merchant volume. Okay, so as long as more and more people uh, speak human, okay, more and more people are buying on their platform, more and more users are on their platform, they can continue to get more and more companies to come on and continue to sell and use their ecosystem, then the growth story is intact. But in any case, if something happened, if their competitors like Pink Toto is coming up and like just challenging, you know, their original front, then all that things have changed, right? But as of now, it's fine. Everything seems okay. And so if you understand that I only sell my stocks when the narrative have changed, that means their stories have changed, then let me just give you some breakdown as to what are some of the factors that usually occur, usually you see, right? So there are factors beyond the company and factors within the company. Factors beyond the company will be things like if some big tech is entering the space, like how Apple, Google has announced to enter gaming, right? Then all the gaming stocks like Activision, EA, you know, then, you know, goes a little nuts, like a little crazy. You don't know what's going to happen because these big guys are coming in, like Amazon coming into uh, the whole grocery business, and yeah, you, you get an idea when big guys enter your space, you know, then, hey, crazy, man, uh, can we still strive? Can we still continue to push, right? So there's this whole thing of the Amazon effect. Lah. So everyone is worried about big tech coming into their sector. Huh? So that is something that you should know. That's something that I look out for. Another point is what if competition is pulling way ahead? That means when you first start like whole, the whole uh, marijuana business, right? So many players when they first came on, right? Marijuana, like all these weed providers. And then over time, in a very short one or two years period, you see a few big boys pulling away from their competition like Canopy Growth, you know, like Aurora. Right? So they become the leaders in the pack and then everyone else is out already, right? So... When you start to see that the company that you may have bet before is, you know, losing the run because it is a whole fast growth pace, then you may want to kind of revisit like, because the competition is way ahead already, right? Or if there is a change in market realities, let's say consumer preferences are changing or government plans are changing, like this whole government lockdown, then now you cannot do retail, you have to go online. So that is a huge change in terms of factors beyond the company, right? Or let's say the consumers are all eating healthy and people are all going vegetarian, all going vegan. And then, you know, if you own Tyson Foods, if you own like, some of those big uh, producers, then you have to question what is the long-term reality for these companies because the factors beyond the companies have changed. Also, factors within the companies looks like M&A plans. That means if they buy other companies, you know, or if they have a certain business expansion that I don't agree with, you know, or if, let's say there's a management change that I don't like, then yeah, all these are good reasons for me to sell the company because the story has changed. Which brings me to my third and last point, and that is when I need money. La. When I need money for my life, that is when I will encash and essentially get some sort of capital out. And that is the cold hard truth when you are a retail investor. Okay, for, let me just give, give me give me some airtime. Okay, don't turn off. Huh? So when you are an institutional investor, that means you are a professional fund manager and you do all those things, right? you don't really need to care about your personal expenses, right? Because all these people, they give you the capital, you do what you need to do, right? And you can play very, very long term. You can look at things very, very far or you can do a lot of trading depending on what is your investment thesis, how you guys do it and how you sell to your investors. But when I am a retail investor, I need to care about how my money and it's affecting my life in, in actuality. So if my life has some situation, like my friend recently got married, right? And when you get married, right, you need a lot of money and you know you sell down your, your portfolio so that you can then encash the money to put into you know, your marriage. If let's say that is how you want to do it, right? So 
I only really encash my money when I have something better to do with it. Lah, right? So in this case, if my life requires me to take out the cash, whether is it you know, family issues, whether is it like new business opportunity that's out of the market or whether is it like, you know, I got some things I need to pay for, then I will encash the money, which usually doesn't really happen. So for lack of a better way to put it, I don't usually sell my stocks. I'm a net buyer and uh, a bit like a Buffett. Huh? So Buffett is a net buyer of stocks over time. So I'm going to sum up these three points, right? Last point sounds a bit stupid, but it's very realistic, right? Because you are not an institutional investors. We are retail investors. We need to care about our situation. If we need money, then we sell, right? If we don't need money, then it's okay. We can hold for a little longer as long as the story is intact. So to sum up, when do I sell my stocks? Number one is when I have a better place to go for the money, right? So I have a certain capital. See it as a capital deployment. I'm not always about making the most. I'm about buying the best that I can understand, right? So if let's say there's a better company coming in and I want to I get that, then I'll sell out whatever I have to then buy this new better company, right? Number two is when the story has changed. And the story has changed for 101 reasons, whether it's factors beyond the company or factors within the company. If whatever I buy into there's original thesis and this story is no longer the same, then okay, I will sell out the company and buy into something else that I believe is better. Number three is when I need money. right? So if I need money for my life, then I will sell uh, my stock portfolio. Essentially, that is the reality as to how I do it. Okay? Don't give me one star review. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful than interesting when shared, debated and discussed. I hope you would share what you've gained with people you love and I want to hear from you. Give me some questions and help me along with building a community of financially savvy coconuts. I hope together we can fulfill our curious minds and our desire for clarity. Join our community telegram group, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. If you enjoy the podcast and if you want to keep us growing and stay independent, do my Kofi at Kofi.com. But then have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Test, test. Okay, I hope you learned something today. It's I hope, I hope it's useful, okay? And uh, these are the realities as to when do I sell my stocks, right? I don't follow very tightly, say there's a certain price, there's a certain, you know, yeah, I know certain people do that. I don't do that because, you know, I... I have my certain beliefs. Like I do I do the way I invest, long-term investing, and I'm not out to make like hold on to profits all the time. I really want to buy things that can keep growing and do better and better and better. Over time, the stock prices will reflect. So fundamentally know your strategy, why you do what you do. And you know, everybody will have 101 ways on that. They'll tell you all sorts of things. You know, you need to do that, you need to do that, which is not wrong. They have their own understanding, they have their own basics. So we need to know why we do what we do. And this is when do I sell my stocks. Okay. And next week, 
next week we're going to spend some time um, on sunk cost. This idea of sunk cost. Because I think a lot of people um, don't understand this, right? It's like recently, let me just put it to you. Recently, uh, we wanted to record a podcast. Okay, so we record a lot of podcasts. Like, and a lot of these podcasts are in production period. You may hear them by the time this release. You, I don't know. But yeah, so we, we wanted to record this one stock picking podcast. And um, because of the border situation, we couldn't go you know, over. And because of that, we decided to record online, which suck. Okay, because online, the vibes are wrong. You know, uh, audio quality is not controllable. And, you know, ah, it's just terrible. I felt like a better way to put it. And so, when I revisited the raw content, I decided to just call it off and end it. You know, but other people were telling me like, hey, just push it a little bit. Just do it. But in my head, it's like, you know, because they believe that, you know, since we already come so far, why not do a little more? You know, but in my head, it's like, fuck, I've already come so far. I don't want to go any more, right? Because I already know this is not going to work. Then I want to chop it because all the time that I've spent recording the raw content is already sunk cost. No matter what you do, it's not going to come back. Then why do you want to invest more into this thing that you know it's not going to do well anymore, right? So that is the idea of, excuse me, that's the idea of sunk cost and I think a lot of people need to see it vividly, right? And I'm going to give you some uh, major scenarios, major situations that exist, you know, in, in our daily lives. And a lot of us Singaporeans, right, and Malaysians and people around, uh, we all face this, right? And it's very, very common. And I'm going to talk about this, right? Some three ways sunk cost is hurting your life, okay? So see you next week. Bye-bye!